Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Launchpad, where we talk about everything to do with digital marketing, business, and anything else in between. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the passive income myth. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different business models and comparing them side by side, all that and more coming up right after this. Welcome back, everyone. And like I said in the introduction, we're going to be talking about the passive income myth and looking at various uh, different business models and comparing them side by side. As always, I'm joined by the lovely Tina Hay from Puzzle Media. Thanks for being here once again. Thanks again for having me. I wanted to I wanted to pick this topic. Last week, we talked about you know red flags with marketing agencies. Mm. I think the digital marketing industry particularly is just full of... Uh, snake oil and you know people that have a vested interest in making you believe certain things when it's actually not that way so this is kind of an extension of that theme the passive income myth Mm. everyone wants to talk about passive income um, but when you really look at these business models and how they actually would work in reality it's they are very rarely if if not never passive truly truly passive um so what what's the first one that you wanted to to um, nail down uh, on your list Tina? yeah I, I will um so i wanted to talk about franchising okay because it is a an industry that we've done a lot in over the like since we've been going um and it's an interesting one so there's two kind of aspects there's the creating a business and then franchising it so for example i have puzzle media as an agency, I then say, okay, I'm going to franchise the business model that we have. And so we're going to set up location. We're going to sell franchises in, you know, we're on the Gold Coast, so sell them in Sydney and Melbourne and so on and so forth. And so there is, um, I think there's a massive um, misunderstanding about what that looks like from a franchisor perspective. So we'll talk about both. Franchisor, it is a huge investment to franchise your business. It is, um, you know, there's lots of different elements involved. Um, there are obviously get, get just, yeah, there's so much involved. I'm not because you essentially expert. have to, you essentially have to build the structure and the system that build. someone else is going to yeah. buy and into. And that is exactly what it is. It is a, you've got to build out a system that someone else can pick up and run with. Um, the legalities around it, you know, franchise lawyers. They're making good coin. I'm telling you now, they're making good coin because there is a lot, there's so many different elements to it. And then generally with most franchises, um, not all, but with most, it's a five-year agreement. So once someone signs up, it's that five-year commitment. So obviously from a franchisor perspective, they've got to make sure those agreements are really tight um, to keep people in um, and also that their business model works enough so that the people that are buying in not only buy a franchise and operate it for five years, but actually renew that franchise because that's where, you know, that's where how the franchisor earns the money. If we look at it from a franchisee perspective, um, people looking to buy franchises, 
There are many out there, right? There are many out there in all different kind of industries and, and what have you. And I think, you know, you've got McDonald's, right? McDonald's sells for whatever it sells, a couple of million, I don't even know, a million dollars, right? Seven whatever it is, it's probably worth whatever it. Whatever it is, it's probably <laughs> a lot, right? So you've got those. But then you've got your um, – I don't want to use any examples because I don't know enough about all of the franchises out there to say whether they're good or bad. Um, but one that we worked with, um, and I won't mention their name, but we worked with one that was in the cosmetic injectables um, field and they were selling yeah they were selling franchises for quite a low low cost so uh, as an entry point for the people that were buying them it was a really good way of them just buying a business out of a box it was a you know low entry point kind of pretty minimal risk and so in that environment it was a it was a no-brainer for existing businesses to buy this and tack it onto their business um, and also for people that had never been in business, for them to get their kind of, you know, a, a leg on the ladder of business yeah. world. Mm. Um, but there are others where I think people buy a franchise where they feel like they're going to buy it and all of their marketing is going to be done. They're going to have lead, leads coming in. And this is the biggest, this is why we work with franchises um, and franchisors, because that is the biggest bugbear that franchisees have is that well, they're not doing anything for me. I've bought this business, but I've got no, they're not doing my marketing. They're not generating leads for me. Um, and now I'm having to spend extra on doing that. So that I think there's a, there's a misconception there that if I buy a franchise, the work just comes in. And it's an um, interesting yeah. kind of a, you know, th when obviously various franchise uh, agreements can be completely different in terms of what you do and don't get, yeah. uh, but for, for the most part, it seems that the most common uh, benefits for buying a franchise is that you get automatic, you automatically get to use a particular brand. Like Jim's yep. is yep. a really well known Jim's one Jim's, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, mowing or plumbers or whatever it is. Yeah. So you get to be part of that brand and that's got a really good reputation. Absolutely. So you automatically get to be part of that and that carries yeah. some weight. Um, yeah. yeah. And they'll pay a, a fee, you know, whatever it is, 50 grand a year or who knows what, what the number is. Um, and oftentimes um, that is supposed to go towards, you know, marketing and stuff like that. Um, and so the, the organization at the top is kind of generating the leads and then farming them out to the various franchisees, depending on where they're located most often, I, I assume. Yeah, if that is part of the franchise agreement, then you would want to have some kind of an assurance of how many leads. And then the other downside is that in most cases, the franchisor, they are the ones that actually own the customer and their details. So if you decide, oh, you know, the franchise isn't for me, most of the time you'll be kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, and it certainly, it certainly isn't a passive income whatsoever because, yes, you may alleviate yourself of the burden of marketing and brand building and all that, but you still got to go do the work or run Absolutely. the staff and all that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's one that kind of, yeah, it's an interesting business model. I've seen it work well. I've seen it not work well. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for those those listeners out there that are, are thinking of maybe buying a franchise. I would just say do your due diligence. Um, really understand what it is that you're buying and what comes with it. 
Um, and again, I think it depends on the type of franchise. Like, is it a brick and mortar? Like, is it a Baskin Robbins mm. that is in a location that typically gets quite a lot of foot traffic and all the rest of it? In which case, that's going to look very different to, um, that's going to look different to say a gym's mowing where, you know, you're buying something from scratch and you've still got to go out and sort of somewhat build up a bit of a uh, customer base. Exactly right. A customer base that you potentially don't own too. That you don't own, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about drop shipping first Mm. off because uh, this this kind of ties into what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with uh, TikTok particularly. So every time a new social network comes out and the organic reach is huge, all of the drop shippers and affiliate marketer course people come out of the woodwork and go, oh, yeah, I made $10,000 passive yeah. income from yeah. drop shipping. And the, the reality, well, I actually started doing a bit of investigating on some of these and tracking them down. And it's actually quite funny how often many of those claims are just total fabrications. Yeah. But drop shipping, if you're not aware, drop shipping is essentially, let's say you go online and you go to buy something, uh, but instead of the website, uh, let's say it was my website and I received the order and then I would go and norm, under normal circumstances, go and pick and pack that item and stick it in the post and send it out to you. In drop shipping, I receive that order and that order essentially goes direct to the organization that produces the product probably in china or india or pakistan Mm -hmm. or you know wherever it is and then they send it over so you're effectively just this middleman that's essentially just doing marketing to promote a product or a range of products um and the myth is that well because you are not having to import the goods and send it all out that it's just passive but the reality is like i said all you're doing is relinquishing control of the fulfillment side Um, you still have to do the marketing. So on TikTok, everyone's smashing their little um, user, what do they call it, UCG videos and stuff. Yeah, user-generated content, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they're smashing that all in because that gets really great uh, reach and is a lot easier to go viral. Uh, But as that tapers off, a lot of these uh, dropshippers and affiliates uh, affiliate uh, marketing people will their businesses will start to disappear as well. Mm. Um, mm. But the other the other flip side of that coin is so because you are not buying the product, your margin that you get is going to be much less um, because you're you're really just skimming a percentage off the top. Most of it's probably going to go to the manufacturer. You also still have to do deal with all of the customer service issues if there's something goes wrong. Um, it can kick up some legal issues because if someone complains to you and you go, well, that's something that the manufacturer did wrong, well, the consumer doesn't care. And mm. I'm pretty sure as if you were to ask the ACCC, they wouldn't care either. They'd be like, well, you sold the product, so you sort it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the customer service is still there and it can also often be very difficult to build yourself a brand because if you are drop shipping some particular product, then there's probably a hundred other people that have their own drop shipping set up that are also selling that exact same thing as you. So there's no, it can be really hard to create differentiation and go, well, we have this thing and nobody else has it because Everybody else has it because the guys in China that are making it couldn't care less who is selling mm. their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did some stuff with uh, someone that was doing drop shipping a long time ago. And he was, he basically came along and he said, Look, I've seen this business idea. This is what I want to do. I've got some budget behind me. And um, 
you know, I, I understand that it's a process and all the rest of it. And, you know, we worked with him and we, we supported him as best we could uh, for probably about three or four months. Um, but ultimately, oh. he pulled the pin. He said, this is too hard. I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was quite entrepreneurial and he had lots of different businesses on the go. And he said, look, I've seen it done. I've done the course. You know, I'm ready to go. I just need you to do, you know, my Facebook advertising and some social media. And, um, you know, we kind of said, okay, yeah, look, it seems like a legitimate project product. And we talked through that. But in the back end, you know, having conversations with him, he was having an absolute nightmare with the suppliers and with the customer service. And he didn't want to deal with all of that. Mm. He just wanted to plug in and play business. He wanted a passive, a yeah, passive income. Yeah, shipping <laughs> definitely did not deliver that to him whatsoever and we were you know we were selling products through the ads that we were we were doing but it was the back end and the costs like once he took it all into account he was probably losing money um, and would have done that for the first probably well I, I don't even know how he would have made money after paying for advertising and the well and that's right yeah. because your <laughs> margins are so much skinnier yeah. that's why a lot of these you know drop shipping guru kids are reliant on TikTok because you can get organic reach mm, um, with yeah. some nicely produced videos yeah. without paying for ads. Because if mm. they had to pay for ads, which would make it a real business, it pro the pro numbers probably don't yeah. stack up. No, they don't. Um, they don't. Yeah. And uh, so it seems that the people that do really well ultimately with dropshipping use dropshipping simply as a research uh, a research tool to identify products that people really like. And so they try a whole bunch of different things, go, okay, these ones are winners. And then they create a whole store around yeah. that product or around a range of products, which allows them to kind of build a brand. Yeah. So it might be homeware products or kitchen products or mm. whatever that might be. Um, that'll, and, or, develop their own unique products that they own and they can brand their own that nobody else has. So yeah. then they can start to pull away from the crowd. That yeah. tends to be the the best way of, of yeah. using dropshipping. Yeah, um, absolutely. I did a, um, um, I actually did a course a few years ago um, and it was on Amazon, fulfillment by Amazon. Okay. Okay, and so it works slightly different and it is an Amazon business essentially. Mm. Um, but the only, like that is one way. And the reason I kind of got into it was um, we had a client that had an online store, quite, you know, quite a successful online store. Um, they'd been going about 12 years when we started working with them. We were doing some social media for them. And they were telling me that basically they, they'd entered the Amazon US market at the time. It was a few years ago. It was actually before... Amazon fully launched into Australia. Um, and he was saying that for them, yes, they make less money doing it that way, but um, the, they, they didn't make, they made less money initially when they're just looking like, like for like, but because the US is such a massive market, they were selling mm. more and then they didn't have to have two people on customer service, you know, 10 people in the warehouse packing and shipping products and all the rest of it. So, they actually ended up selling their business and all they do now is fulfillment by, by Amazon. Um, and cool. I went and did, um, yeah, I, I did a course just to learn a little bit more about it um, because I found it quite, quite interesting. I, I do find, you know, I love looking at different business models. Oh, and, I, I yeah. love it too. <laughs> and so for those who aren't aware, fulfillment oh, yeah. by Amazon or it's <laughs> often referred to as Amazon FBA is uh, essentially where it's, it's kind of 
uh, it's like a middle ground between dropshipping mm-hmm. and where you control everything end to end. Because so I'm pretty sure I heard that Amazon Amazon is not a shopping company; they're a logistics company. Correct. So essentially, let's say you you bought like a a, a pillow and you wanted you bought. 10,000 pillows, a container load full of pillows, and you As want you to do. sell that. Yeah, yeah, because um, you've identified that it's going to be, it's going to be a, a top seller, whatever. Yeah. Um, and instead of you having to do the fulfillment, the, the pick and pack and the postage, or having to rely on the manufacturer to send it where it's going to take a month to come over on a ship and, you know, all that sort of stuff, you buy the container load worth of product, you essentially send it to Amazon's fulfillment center, they then hand you're essentially bolting your business on to their fulfillment Correct. logistics back end. And then when an order comes in, they get a cut, you get a cut, but they pick and pack it goes out and on yeah. all their Amazon yeah. infrastructure. And you know, it's if it's if it's ordered on Prime, it's there the next day or whatever, however that mm. works. Um so yeah, I think I mean with all these these models, you have to know even if you're controlling the whole thing end to end yourself, you have to know your margins to 100%. figure out, yeah. you know, it could be awesome and great logistically, but you need to understand how much money you've got to play yeah, with, with absolutely. your little cut. You know, if you're, if you're going to invest like, and, and it, you know, doing this course, you know, people were spending 20, 30, 30 you know, 30,000 plus dollars on developing a product, getting the product made and then shipping it over. Um, so obviously you've got to still identify the product that you want to use and, and what have you. Um, so you've got to, yeah, you've 100% got to be across what that margin is that you're going to make um, and what that looks like from a numbers perspective. But yeah, it's, an, it's another interesting one. Um, and again, one that people think, okay, I will do a course on how to do this with Amazon and I'm going to go and I'm just going to, you know, create one product and make all this money. And again, doesn't probably not going to have any yeah. work like that there might be the occasional story like that but certainly not passive certainly not passive no. whatsoever no. um let's let's talk about affiliate marketing we're sort yes. of going down the rabbit yeah, hole yeah. here go for it affiliate marketing is basically where uh you don't have anything no products you don't benefit from well you don't have any stock handling whatsoever uh you might go onto amazon and find I don't know, a colander. <laughs> I'm just picking the most boring products. like Pillows and colanders, yeah. Pillows and colanders. They're the winners for 2023. You <laughs> heard it okay. here. <laughs> everyone's got them, right? I know, everyone's we're, kitchen We're laughing, but actually there'll be people making pillows and colanders going, ha <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Someone's watching this podcast going, oh, they've just given away my secret product. Anyway, so let's say <laughs> okay. me as a marketer, I yeah. sign up for the Amazon affiliate program and eBay has its own one. There's probably some other ones floating around. Um, you find a product that you like, the the colander, and you make some content on Instagram or you write some articles or whatever you do uh, that promotes that product and convinces people that they want to they wanna go and look at it. So they click on a link. Once they click on your link, there is a window, and I think it's 30 days on Amazon last time I checked, um, for 30 days anything that they purchase on Amazon, not just that one product, but anything that they buy, you get a cut of. And there are different percentages based on the category of the product. Like um, I think it can be as high as 10% and as low as 2% or something like Mm. that. Um, 
so it varies. But yeah, if it's not just your particular product that you get a cut of. If they go and buy, you know, a hundred different things in the next thirty days because you inspired them or whatever, then you get a cut of of all of that stuff. Amazing. So I didn't realize that actually it you they got a cut for the other products as well. Like yeah, yeah. For, for like Amazon and eBay. Yes. Um, you so know, basically, independent stores. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. But wow, that's yeah. I, yeah. I, see, I'm learning. I'm learning too. And and the interesting part is, again, not passive because you have to. You are a marketer in that. In that, you are marketing products on Amazon. You are you are a marketer for Amazon, uh, essentially. Um, and it's cool because you don't have any customers. If there's issues with the product, not your problem. You'll never hear from them. So from that point of view, there's no, uh, you know, it'd be a pretty chill job because you just chill out in your bedroom and write articles or make videos for TikTok or whatever it is, but you still have to do that work. And mm. if you want to make any kind of a decent living, you know, more than just, you know, a couple of hundred bucks a month, if you want to make a full-time wage, you're going to be doing a lot of work, at least initially, uh, to spread those little affiliate links out yeah. there and generate those traffic sources so that your little 5 to 10% cut of the purchase price actually generates, you know, yeah. five grand a month or something. Because Absolutely. you've got to think someone buys a $50 product, you get five bucks out of that at most. Like, so what? <laughs> That's yeah. not cool. Exactly. That's a lot of products you've got to sell. It's a lot of pillows and colanders you've got to put <laughs> on uh, TikTok. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I can see how this works for, I see a lot of, um, um, you know, influencers slash content creators that have got big followings do this mm -hmm. really well. I actually buy products that way. Because totally. if I see, I do, you know, this is how I buy. I haven't got time to go and walk around, you know, the shopping centers and the malls. And, you know, if, if someone is showing something on Instagram and I think, yeah, I actually quite like the look of that. I'll go on and yes, if there's other things, I'll buy it. Um, because it's being demonstrated, it's being found for me. Um, so I think the people that do it well are those that have got quite a big, big organic social media following. And like you said, I think if you're having to pay ads for those, depending on what you're an affiliate for probably not going to work and um, you're probably not going to make that much money so it's more the um those those people that are maybe in that that content creation influencer kind of space there's um there's a couple that i follow on instagram and tiktok where they're just about the gadgets okay. and they'll be like you've probably sent them you know 10 amazon kitchen gadgets that you need to try and they just it's like a probably a 30 second video and just rapid yeah. fires and each product Gets probably about five seconds. Yeah. And it's and you're just like, I just want to add them all to cart. There's so many of them where I'm like, I've been like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to get that. That's awesome too. But as you say, if they had to pay for ads, it would not work yeah. for them. Yeah. And that's why every time uh, the next TikTok or Instagram or whatever comes out and the organic reach is huge, the people that get in early explode and yeah. they've got, you know, the ones that I follow have got like 2 million followers. Yeah. yeah. So if they get, you know, a couple of thousand out of that, exactly. they'd be making some pretty great money. Yeah. But yeah. to get started, you know, to make those videos, they've got to go and purchase. They've got to research the products, yeah. buy the products, yes. make videos for all the products. That's that's not just your time. You're having yeah. to spend money yeah. on those products yeah. um, before they, you know, so they've probably invested quite a bit of time in their own money before they're, they're following got to that level where they can yeah. just, you know, it's all paying for itself yeah, and, yeah. you know, they're good to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, though. What's next on your list? Um, I had membership, so yes. um, like a subscription-based businesses. So that could be someone like Canva, um, where, you know, you pay $30 a month or whatever it is um, for your subscription, okay, and they make money from people paying for subscriptions. Um, we work with, obviously, you've got to build it out first if it's like a software-style, um, like a SaaS product. Um, SaaS stands for Software as a Service. There you go. <laughs> Just in case, I would if I would be one of those people oh, that's like. I thought you were telling me. I'm like, yeah, no, no, okay. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want yes. people thinking that it's like they're people with guns and the sandy beret. <laughs> oh yeah, like out of yes. Just, yeah, no, yeah. definitely not that. No, 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 definitely not across Canva. Um, so yeah, so it's um, it could be software. Um, where we do a little bit of work with clients are people that are selling um, like memberships and subscriptions to their services or they may have developed or they have developed um, you know, online products such as it could be training on businesses, on, on business training or on mindset training or um, on personal style. We've got one that we're a client we're working with at the moment in that space and she's got programs and all the rest of it. So that membership base where you pay and you're getting access to information. So either getting access to information or to some kind of software. So that's subscription-based business. Um, I think there is, like from the software perspective, it's almost two conversations. I'm gonna talk, I'm not gonna talk about the software side, I'll let you do that, <laughs> Stuart, if that's all right. I'm gonna talk about the, um, the, the side that we do quite a lot in, which is clients creating their own products and sending them online on a subscription basis so it could be they're selling online programs it could be a you know, I've, I've got programs as well so you know if you want to learn facebook ads there's a program for it um there's a membership in the making in the background so there is a massive misconception with that kind of coaching world that i'm going to create this once and i'm going to sell it over and over and over and it goes back to that passive income doesn't work like that <laughs> Because yes, you create it once, but guess what? Things date so much quicker than they did five years ago. So what does that mean? Things like your landing pages, they date a lot quicker than they used to. The information you're sharing. If you have created programs and courses pre-COVID, um, that may look very, very different now. Okay, It could be the same fundamentals, but some of the examples you're going to use are going to be different. Um, Things like, um, I don't know if it's like, I know for me, the trainings that I've got, you know, across LinkedIn and Facebook, that changes. So we have to update that stuff constantly because otherwise it becomes dated. I don't know why I chose Facebook to create something <laughs> like the thing that changes the most. <laughs> anyway, you live and learn. Um, but yeah, there is this misconception that you, you create it once and that's it. I mean, creating it once, yes, you can do that and you could resell it. The other side of it is, again, it's the marketing, okay? You've got to constantly be feeding leads into your funnel. So you've got to, you know, constantly have people that might be interested in what it is that you're promoting. So the marketing for that, you know, you've got to have either a strong social media presence um, or you're doing some kind of Facebook advertising um, to, you know, build inquiries, build email addresses into your funnel. Um, 
it's all doable. We work with clients that do it exceptionally well. Um, not everyone starts with Facebook ads. I don't ever recommend that you do, but um, I guess there is work that is involved. It is not a build once, walk away and don't worry about it and sit on a beach, you know, with a laptop and it doesn't work like that. I and a lot of like the... A lot of the courses that you buy into, yes, they're a kind of, oh, here's your fee and walk away type scenario, yeah. uh, lifetime access, whatever. But a lot of courses, well, probably the most successful courses financially will have some kind of monthly ongoing fee. Um, and within that, uh, there's often like a private Facebook group that you get access yeah. to. Yeah. Well, what goes on in there? So usually the course creator or some expert um, that belongs to the course owner is going to be in there giving advice or helping people out or, you know, giving tips and tutorials, doing a, a you know, a Facebook live for a and a session yep. and things like that yep. so that people can yep. get individual help. Well, that all takes time uh, and Absolutely. therefore not passive as well. I mean, if you if you get it to the point where you outsource all that stuff, you outsource the Facebook ads to an agency, you pay some VA to handle the customer service stuff, then that might be passive. But probably, like you said, you're at minimum going, unless you want the performance to slowly drop off and die, you mm. are probably at minimum going to have to update the course. Otherwise, people will buy it and start, requesting refunds because they'd be like, well, this Doesn't stuff, this, what I'm seeing on the Facebook ads dashboard doesn't match what's in your course. doesn't yeah. work like that anymore. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that that there is a massive underestimation of what goes into um, creating and not just cre creating, but maintaining um, a course so that people don't just buy it. You want them to complete it and actually get value from it and learn something from it and go away and implement it. And if there isn't that follow-up or anything else linked to it, they're just buying a course, people won't do it. I, I've bought so many courses, Amazon one being a perfect example. I bought the course, there was a private Facebook group. I started going through it, you know, I took what I needed out of it. It was more a research kind of project. Um, and then that was it you know no one's followed up with me no one's kept in touch that was it um and so it's very much on the person buying it it's on them to complete it which i get i get mm. you know we're all grown-ups and we need to do it but i just think from an ethical perspective if people are buying things and they're not completing them that doesn't sit right with me because the whole point of creating this stuff is to help people learn right Apparently, so, yeah. only 30% of people will complete a course yeah. when they purchase it. So interestingly, I was sitting on a, I went to an online summit yesterday for one of our clients and um, one of the ladies that was presenting, I can't remember, her name's Marissa, but I can't remember her business name. So she she's from the US and she basically shared that stat that, you know, it's a really low percentage of people that complete online courses. And so um, she was saying that there's a software available and I believe it's linked to her. Um, I'll try and find what it is if you want to link it. Maybe we'll get an affiliate link and you can add that. <laughs> but um, it basically rewards people for completing different parts of the course. So it's a bit more interactive. So the software basically allows for it to be a bit more interactive um, because that the research shows that the more interaction that someone has, the more likely they are to progress to the next level 
almost mm. like playing a game and she likened yeah. it to playing a video game so yeah it's quite interesting anyway <laughs> I want to um I want to talk about investing which yes. I think is sort of at the extreme other end I think in terms of business models it's probably the only one that you could really classify as passive in terms of you know, any of these businesses could be passive if you make it successful enough that you employ other people to do it. But in the context of all these teenagers on TikTok, they're like, oh, I made $10,000 a day. We're talking about things that you're running yourself primarily, which are also passive income streams. Um, investing, I think, is probably one of the only ones that could meet that criteria. Mm. meaning you basically just throw money into somebody else's business and, and take pray. it yeah, and, just, <laughs> and just hope that they make money and take yeah. a cut based off of whatever the shareholding is that you just purchased with your investment. But mm. it's not with it without its drawbacks. There's always going to be a downside. The downside of being an investor is that you probably have little to no control yeah. of what goes on in the business. The flip side of that would be if let's say you put in so much money that you owned 51% or more of the company and you're on the board of directors so you have a say, well, then it's not passive anymore because you are having to do work to direct the yeah. to essentially control the direction of the company. So, And likewise, if you only put a small investment in, the amount of money that you're going to get passively is going to be equivalently small so with any business model there's no perfect business mm. there's always going to be a battle to be fought some work to be done somewhere you just kind of have to be comfortable with am i cool with doing drop shipping where i'm going to have heaps of customer service stuff to deal with or am i cool with amazon fba where they do all the fulfillment customer service, but I still have to buy a container load worth of stuff and send it to them and do the marketing for it potentially as well. Or, you know, what am I, what am I comfortable doing and not doing? And is it actually worth it? Can I actually make a, a proper income doing this? Mm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And there's always, you know, as with everything, there's pros and cons. And I guess it's, you know, the, the higher the risk, um, well, I think you need to assess how comfortable you are with the level of risk that you're going to, you know, put in. With the investment side of things, you know, there are people sitting out there that have, you know, invested in multiple companies. And so they're sitting and they're getting, you know, little bits from everyone. And, you know, happy days if you're in a position to be able to do that and pick those companies well. But I dare say that the people that are doing that have also had some losses along the way and have taken that risk along the way and have done the work at some point to learn what to identify when investing in different companies. So, you know, that there is no shortcut or if there is, please share it with us, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart and I would love to know if there's I'm a I'm looking to invest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I think, you know, you're right. It is looking at your different business models, especially if you're just kind of getting into business as well or looking to maybe expand um, with what you're doing. Maybe you're running a business successfully and you're looking at, OK, well, what else can I look into? And, um, you know, it is interesting, you know, get stuck in, learn a little bit more about these business models and whether they're, they're a fit for where you're at, the investment you've got um, 
and what you're going to, you know, the return that you're going to get out of it. I'm going to do one more. Yeah, go for it. Because we've thought, been talking. I thought we were wrapping up. I'm like going into summary mode. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was too, but then I just had one That's final okay. thought. Yeah, go on. So we've been talking a lot about business models that have physical products mm. or, you know, the courses as a digital service. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of these other ones, drop shipping and affiliates, is always a thing that gets sold. Yes. We should talk about um, Google AdSense. Oh, yes. Have you ever messed with it? A long time ago. Not for a long time. Me too. So Not, not for a long time. But, yes, I did and I signed up for it and, and all the rest of it, yeah. So Google AdSense, in a nutshell, is when an advertiser runs ads on Google Ads, they have the option of running a display campaign. And you would have seen it when you've been on a website, some like let's say a news website, and then there's a little tile on the side that's got an ad for an insurance company or whatever it is. It's or most likely it's some website that you visited before and now those ads are following you around. Those ad spaces come from Google Ads. So the advertisers are on one side, running ad campaigns where they want to show the tile and then the website owner you know could be my website i actually literally had a website that was about dogs at one point Mm -hmm. um and i on my website i would have little tiles spaces that connected the two and so those advertisers website uh ads would show up on my website now what happens is when someone clicks on the ad uh you get paid for that click And it is a super, super small amount in most cases, unless your website is about, uh, you know, home insurance or, uh, personal finance or some expensive industry where advertisers are prepared to pay more for every mm-hmm. one of those clicks that occurs. Yeah. But even then, it's going to be a, a fairly small, uh, you know, a small cut, um, of the, the ad revenue. And so, even that, though you don't have any customers or clients to deal with, so you're just chilling out on your on your own. And yeah, you could do this on a beach if you wanted to in an aeroplane, but your job essentially is going to be is only about driving traffic to your website. Yeah. And that means SEO. So you need to be really, really good at uh writing and producing content that is going to rank your site high enough that generates enough traffic so that you get enough ad clicks to create a viable income. So the people that are actually doing well at this have been doing it for a long, long time, Mm. usually. No one's just coming in and going, oh, yeah, I'm going to start up a website and in three months they're, you know, ranking number one for, you know, health insurance Melbourne and then they're getting all this ad revenue from all the – it's just – it's just not happening like that. Mm. So, and that's the trick. People go, oh, well, if I want to make lots of money, I should target industries where the ad clicks are high. That's great in theory, but the competition in to rank for those keywords yeah. is mega high. And yeah. unless you are an SEO genius, it's probably not going to happen for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I did it on, I had an organic skincare um, company brand um that i <laughs> dabbled in many years ago and built built a wordpress site and then proceeded to then never ever build a wordpress site again which is why we work with the likes of you Stuart. but <laughs> um we did it on them um, on that on that um and it's yeah we i think we made 
zero because you know it was a new site and getting you know rank trying to rank for skincare good luck with that um again it's possible listeners and if you're if you're doing it please uh please let us know but um yeah i think that 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 is something that is still there and it's still working but you just need to have those high volumes in order to you know make a make a decent income 100 percent. if you've got if you've got a website that's all about tech blogging and things like that you can be adding spaces yeah. for the ad the google adsense ad tiles you can be pumping affiliate links in so people can check out the latest you know yeah. nikon camera lens or whatever it is so you can be making money in both those methods Absolutely. and if you've got if you've got the volume of traffic it can definitely be uh, be viable for you so this yeah. is not sort of us just being all bitter and going Oh no! You, no one can do this. It's impossible. Oh, no. You can absolutely it, do it. It can be done. It's just not passive. Yeah, yeah. It's not it passive. definitely requires work. <laughs> definitely does. It all does. It all requires work. Business does require work. That doesn't mean that it doesn't get to be easy at some points as well. But yeah, it does require work to get there. Um, but yeah, the and, uh, the elusive passive income. Mm, interesting. Well, yeah, <laughs> if someone has a, a business model that we haven't thought of, please tell us. Share it. Please. I would love Maybe we can get, to be yeah, proven we can wrong. get you on and interview you because I'd love to find out about lots of different business models. Ladies and gents, thanks very much again for joining us for this week's episode of Launchpad. I hope you've learned something about passive income and just the re, I guess the realities of what it takes to actually generate a, an, a viable income through some of these business methods. And hopefully it allows you to spot the... Uh, the people spinning a bit of BS on social media about uh, their passive income course. Uh, so I hope that has proved helpful for you going forward. And as always, want to thank Tina Hay from Puzzle Media for for being on here today. Thank you, Stuart. I love I love I love these chats. I feel like it's just you and I having a chat about marketing and business, which feels very natural. Um, and I just hope that the listeners are also finding it useful. And make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you use. I always make a bit of a joke of it because I don't know what most of them are called. I use Spotify. So if you're Same. using Spotify, good for you. If you're using something else, then that's okay too, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> so I hope you have found this uh, interesting and somewhat entertaining. And uh, we'll see you next time on Launchpad. Launchpad.